remind you here, guys, charity event, September 30th. Tickets are on sale. Link is in the bio. Get your tickets now. It's going to be a fun one. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Episode 78. This is part two with Paluna Santa Maria. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm curious then, you know, 10 years is a long time to do something competitively. What were your goals when you were competing? Did you want to, you know, be a national champion or like what, what were your goals? So my goals uh, were a little bit crazy in the sense that Olympic lifting is one of those sports that is kind of like gymnastics in the sense that people start really young. People start when they're eight, six to eight years old. And then by the time they're in their early 30s, they're retiring. And when I started, I was 29. (laughs) (laughs) So so just to give you an idea of how um, crazy what I was trying to do was. So I started when I was 29 with no background on any barbell training. So again, like I said before, my background was dance, Pilates, um, more calisthenics type of things. And the only um, experience I had with weight-related things was kettlebells and dumbbells, never touched a barbell before. So I, um, just by becoming fascinated with uh, strength, I looked into the stats of what, what does it mean to be really strong in terms of like, when we're comparing the strongest people in the world, right? Like what makes you actually strong? Yeah. And the list said that if you had a two times your body weight back squat, you could be considered a strong person. Yeah. Um, two and a half to three times your body weight deadlift. Yes. And um, and then there is other ones like if you're a woman, twelve strict pull-ups. If yep. you're a guy, twenty. All that kind of that kind of stuff. And um, and with Olympic lifting is basically squat twice your body weight and be able to snatch your own body weight would be good. And this is just like strong for like regular people, not Olympic level strong. Right. But if you have a two times body weight back squat, you're going to be considered strong by a lot of people. So I became obsessed with wanting to squat twice my body weight. Uh, which it would have been at that time um, with, in Olympic lifting, we're lifting kilos. So it'll be like 120 kilos, which is like 265, 270 okay. pounds by, for, for, by someone who weighed 58 to 60 at the most kilos, right? Which mm-hmm. is like 126 to 128. Yes. So pretty strong. Um, so that was my main, my main goal was that I want to be able to squat twice my body weight and be able to snatch my body weight, um, in more than once, ideally, not just the one fluke. Um, but as I started training, I ended up achieving, uh, within, it took me close to two years, like a year and a half to get the two times body weight uh back squad and this this match took me a lot longer like close to three to four years to be able to snatch my own body weight i was like stuck at 58 kilo or 55 kilo for a long time um it's because i've just it's just so scary to me um but yeah that was it those were my only goals but then the more i trained i started to see and competing that i my numbers were getting close to provincial qualifiers Wow. Um, so it was one of those things where I was like, oh, like basically I'm already so deep into this, right? So why don't I, you know, try to qualify for provincials? Um, so after maybe five, six, I think about six years into it, I ended up uh, qualifying for provincials. Um, at this point, I'm already in my 30s, which is I'm competing with 20-year-olds or 19-year-olds which they that started lifting. Like my coach's son started lifting at eight. So when I started training, I used to share a barbell with the kid, <laughs> you know? And then 
couple of years into it, this kid is breaking world records and he's lifting like five, six times what I'm lifting. But we started together and when he was eight or nine and I was 29. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how I ended up. I qualified for provincials. And then uh, on that day, I hurt um, my tricep. So I couldn't compete in provincials. Mm. And uh, and then by that time, I was already getting to a point where um, it is a huge commitment and my entire life kind of revolved around that. And there is actually no money into in that sport. So I had switched my entire life to be able to train. Um, I was basically working from 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. every day and then going home eating, hopefully napping, and then going to train from 4.30 or 4 until 8 p.m. every day. Wow. Um, and then Saturdays, sometimes extra training session or competition on Saturday. or And then you basically have one day to kind of do laundry, do groceries and stuff like that. And you're always beat up. So you also have to, um, you need to have um, a lot of money to be able to be getting treatment and massages and everything, which I didn't have that luxury to be doing. None of us did, to be honest. Nobody in the team did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started to kind of look at it in a more, um, I guess, mature way and being like, okay, now, now you're just basically doing this for ego purposes. Because now you've, you know, you've proven you can stick to the really insanely training schedule and how hard it is and stuff like that you've competed you hit the uh, back squat goal the snatch goal you qualify for provincials it's like now basically why am i still doing this that is just breaking down my body um i'm not making money off it basically i'm basically losing income because i can't work any evenings which is when a lot of uh, nine to five people want to work out yeah. So I'm losing on all that demographic for work, and you know, I want I I would like to get a dog, and I can't because who's gonna walk the dog and when? And I started just to weigh and why was I still doing it? Um, um, it was getting. It's always harder. It's always hard. It's not one of those things that you're like, oh, I'm excited to go to the gym. It starts to get hard because you're doing the exact exact same thing every week over and over and over and over again yeah. for 10 years of your life it's not and also i couldn't do any fun workouts for fun with friends i couldn't step out of my if i wanted to play basketball i can't because you don't want to twist an ankle or because you're always hurting or tired so basically your entire life is you go train you eat you sleep and that's it um which I'm really glad I did, but I was already kind of like, I'm 30 something now. <laughs> I need to, I don't need to be doing this anymore. Um, so yeah, that's when I decided. Um, then, and the, then actually, by the time I had already made it up in my mind that I was going to stop competing um, and training full time is when COVID happened. So that kind of helped it a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, and uh, and I'm still super passionate about. I love love teaching it and watching it, but I don't I don't have that need to prove that I'm really strong, um, because that's also a thing that I think we have to learn uh, as athletes is really hard when your entire identity revolves around your discipline. And I started to sit down with myself and thinking, what would happen if I, you know, broke my arm or broke my leg or something happened and I couldn't do this? Like, who who am I? Yeah, that's, I, that's hilarious. I actually had that as a question here. I mean, kind of how your identity changed after stopping that, right? I mean, you do something for 10 years is, is a large, a large <laughs> amount of time, right? I mean... How does how does your identity change after stopping that? I mean, are you able to um, find a new passion, or what, what's the next steps after that? So I I was a little bit lost for a while, mostly because I'm someone who um, I don't actually love the gym for no reason, just going to the gym. 
I've never been someone who just goes to the gym to look a certain way. I like learning things. So for a while, I was just going to the gym just to try and maintain my muscle mass and to stay fit and whatever. And every time I would go, I'm like, I don't really get why I'm here. Like, I'd rather just go on a hike with the dog, you know? Why am, <laughs> why am I coming here? Like, I'm not training for anything or whatever. Um, so what I learned um, about myself and is that I need to be engaged in learning something. So uh, during COVID, I found um, uh, kickboxing and boxing, which I've been, I've been a big fan, of course, of martial arts my entire life, just from my dad. Um, being involved in uh, judo and karate and I did a little bit of kung fu as a kid and stuff like that. I've been following UFC and jiu-jitsu for like 15, 20, like forever. So I, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it when I was competing in lifting because you couldn't do anything else. That's Josie. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, what I found out is that I need to be learning something. And I decided that I was going to dedicate myself to get better at boxing and kickboxing just for fun. So now I go to the gym for, I have to do strength training because we all know it's very important and it makes you healthier and better at other things. And I have my boxing and kickboxing training as a way to keep me excited about learning something new. But the way in which my personality around being athletic changed is that I no longer care about what other people think mm. about my, my skill. Um, I care about moving well and learning concepts well. So when I'm in the gym, I don't care if I'm, if I'm lifting 20 pounds, which is nothing. I want, if somebody looks at it, I, I want people to be like, oh, that girl knows what she's doing. I just I just care about the technique being flawless, moving really well. That's my focus when I'm in the gym, which I always cared about that. But there was always this like, oh, it's only 20 pounds, you know. And, and you also have the pressure when you work in the industry of, you know, all these other people are still lifting really heavy or are still doing all these things. But in the end, um, I sat with myself and I thought, do people in my life who love me really care <laughs> if I squat twice my body weight? Nobody cares. <laughs> what they care about is that I'm present for them, that I'm a good person, you know. So I went back into maybe trying to just work every day and being a little bit better as a person, you know. Um trying to identify things that maybe are triggers for me or things that I, I would like to improve in terms of my personality or how I approach life um, and just focusing on that while still fitness being a very crucial part of my life. I mean, I, I walk with the dog a minimum of 10K, but usually it's 10 to 20K in a day. So we walk a ton, take her to the water, I go to the gym, five to six days a week still, you know, um, I love uh, bike riding and stuff like that. So fitness and, and, and movement is a big, big part of my life, but I don't want it to be who I am. Mm. Um, and I find it very difficult to, when you meet somebody, for example, today we're having this interview when people tell me who, who you are or what do you do? And it's like, I, 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 I'm just that person, just like you, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to get better every day and working at life. And also the problem I have with what do you do is that be, I was, this is actually interesting. I, one of my friends and asked me in front of her the other day, so you're a trainer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a trainer. And then my friend looked at me and she's like, well, I don't know. You're kind of like way more than a trainer, but I feel like there is no description of what you are because you have the skill sets of a physiotherapist and a professional athlete, mm. but you're a but you're a personal trainer. She's like, you're not any trainer, but, but and I'm like, yeah, but that's the easiest answer, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
right? There's completely different levels. And I mean, um, I'm going to give a shout out to my massage therapist here. Uh, you know, if you've ever been to a very high level massage therapist who's, who's you know, in depth with working on, you know, professional athletes at some of the highest level. I mean, this guy works on professional fighters, bodybuilders who make money, you know, everything along those lines. When he, when he sees somebody who's less than that, his skills are just the same, right? So, yeah. you know, you get the top of the top in terms of what I'm talking about, massage therapy, right? I mean, they know every nerve and muscle and vein and how to move. And, you know, it's they're not just a massage therapist, but that's their title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than that, they're, you know, an athletic trainer and, you know, they can coach you on different movements and, and everything like that. There's different levels to kind of, uh, I think, a lot of different things. And without a doubt, personal trainer or trainer is one of them, right? You, yeah. You wouldn't do the same thing as as walking into LA Fitness and grabbing the guy on the wall, right? You're so yeah. more than that because of the background and competitiveness of everything you've done, right? You're not just competitive in Olympic lifting, right? You're also competitive in the drive to and thirst for knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's really. It's really um, interesting when you're trying to describe. And now I just say I work. I work in different areas of the fitness industry. But I even remember a few years ago where I was trying to get a a new website going. And I would meet with these web designers and we would have these conversations where they wanted me to define my audience, right? Which it makes sense. Yeah. And when I would tell them, uh, or, or the, the biggest um, fight that I had with them, and they, they wanted pictures, pictures of me all over my mm-hmm. website. Pictures of me lifting heavy, pictures of me with a kettlebell, pictures of me and me and me. And I kept on telling them, but when I work with people, it's never about me. Yes. It's never, ever about me. It doesn't matter what I, I and I get it. You want to see what I, what I can do. But the problem with that is that is going to push the old lady away from working with me. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to feel like they cannot train with me or that I only train very athletic people, which is a misconception that a lot of people had for a long time when I was competing, that I only worked with big athletes and the funny thing is until you work in the industry literally maybe 10 percent of the people you train is going to be a professional athlete there aren't that many in the world if we think about the ratio between just regular people and the ones who are professional athletes and also i do love i work i have so many senior clients i have a guy who's 91 years old and i've been working with him for 10 years wow he's he's blind he and he's doing walking lunges and you know i want to have the ability and the opportunity to work with as many people as i can and by me defining my audience just so i can look at it the thing is they are looking at it as a business which of course it makes sense because this is what i do for a living but in their way of seeing it, it was more of a, well, you, you can sell more if you have a defined audience, right? Mm. And I used to explain to them, I don't even need a website. My entire, entire business for 17 years has been referral based. Mm. So we are just doing the website because this is where the world is going. And because that's how people find you and because it's important, it's kind of like it's part of a business thing that you have to do. But if I put myself in a situation in which now I'm training 10 people in a day, what's the quality of the last five people I see? Yes. Yeah. So I don't want that. I don't want people to just be able to click on a button and book me without us meeting, without me knowing if I'm going to have the time and the mental capacity to give everything to them when I'm with them. Because when I'm training a person, I'm with them 100%, regardless of what's going on in my life, it's not their fault. My job is to be there for them. Mm. And I need to manage the volume. (laughs) 
of my business because I'm the only one doing it. So that's uh, kind of like, I don't know if you can call it a problem, but that's something that comes up a lot in my, in my, in my work where it's like you have to define your audience and same thing with social media. If you, if you look at my social media, it's, it's not, it's kind of like all over the, over, all over the place because I went through a phase where I was just having major stress on, you know, you have to be doing instructionals and you have to be doing this and you have to be doing that. And I was like, well, I, 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 I don't have to do it this way because I have work and my work, I, I get clients referred to me all the time by people I'm already training. So why am I worrying about when having a posting schedule and stuff like that? Of course, if you want to build a specific type of business, you have to do that. Yeah. But now I was like, you know what? My social media has to be a reflection of who I am. Of course, you mostly get to see the fitness aspect because that's by choice as well, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, once in a while you see that I, you know, I love music. So you see a story in the museum or you see a story in the concert or stuff like that. Or I do a lot of reading and I like writing poetry. So I worked with a lot of photographers, a lot of the professional photos you see there. I didn't ask for them. It's friends of mine who are learning a new skill. So they asked me to model for them. And then I had all these amazing photos and didn't know what to do with them. So I was like, oh, maybe I can put some of my writing in these photos. And that's how my Instagram ended up being like a weird mix of you know, some poetry and then a workout video and then another reflection or stuff like that. And I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Just the same way I'm okay with right now. My, right now, my, my, my website is being completely revamped. So there is no website for the past two months yeah. um, online. And that would have been a huge uh, source of stress in the past. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be stressful because I'm I'm still working. Yes, <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> Nothing happened when the website went on private because let me tell you, nobody was using it before. <laughs> Which begs me the question here, um, and I want to give you as much time on this as you want. I mean, who who are the people you do work with, right? I mean, you mentioned professional athletes, but you also mentioned. 90 year old you know mm -hmm. right so who are the people you work with and on top of that who are the people that you enjoy working with the most um um well i work currently i have like i said this client who is in 91 and his wife and i have my pilates clients that i met when i barely spoke english they're still my clients um I work with a couple of CEOs, uh, CEOs from uh, nonprofit companies. Um, I worked, um, I do nutrition consulting as well. So right now I have a few jujitsu athletes um, on the roster for their nutrition um, and mobility training. Um, I actually um, work with one MMA athlete recently. So yeah, it's basically a little bit of of everything, and I enjoy working with uh, people who are willing to communicate with me. Um, just because in my mind, this is at this is teamwork. You know, it's not me telling you what to do. You pay me, and I tell you what to do. It's not how it works in my eyes. Um, you're coming to me because I have some knowledge that you don't have or may not have but in the end what matters is that you get what you need not what i think you need so the more information i get from my clients the better i can help them and a lot of the times uh people uh come embarrassed you know uh to say you know i don't know i i for example i i drink every day and I was helping someone with nutrition and she didn't tell me she was drinking every day um, until three months later where she was like, I haven't changed what I'm eating and I don't know, I'm just putting on weight and 
and and now I'm left with this puzzle, you know, because you're doing everything, you're following the instructions, and you're putting on weight, and we don't know what's happening. And then out of the blue one day, she's like, oh, yeah, I drink a lot. And I was just like, that's a very important piece of information. Um, and so I want everybody to feel comfortable enough that they can say anything and there's zero judgment. I, I even told her, I was like, you know what, if I had known this, we can fit in your, your drinks into your plan. You know, we could have found a way where, oh, you want to have a glass of wine with your husband or whatever it is, we can fit this into your plan. But if I don't have all the information, then it's harder to work together. And uh, yeah, so I think that's basically in in terms of fitness level or anything like that, I don't really care uh, because again, to me, what makes someone a better person is not their athletic skills, it's who you are as a person. And um, and we see it all the time, right? You have amazing athletes who are complete assholes, but they're adored by everyone because they're amazing athletes. And um, it's like cool that you're a great athlete but to me in the end when you don't have your athletic abilities who you are is more important so i never ever judge or think less of anyone if they're not good at something or their fitness level is not as high as it's supposed to be based on their age or whatever it is i have a zero um judgment in that sense mm-hmm. yeah. and do you do any type of virtual training um yeah i do right now about six hours of my week only uh virtually and that's just clients that e- are either not in the country um anymore or travel a lot for work so we try to keep it up while they're away um but i'm not um actively um, pushing for that I just offer it when people need it um, I've been shifting a lot to the nutrition consulting side of my business just because when it comes to improving your performance and your life literally nutrition is always going to be way more impactful than the gym the gym is a great tool of course but if you're not taking care of how you're eating, how you're recovering, are you sleeping well, all of that, you're basically just taking longer to reach your goals. Yes. Um, so, yeah. There was, a, there was a quote that I heard, and I might be messing up here, but it's going to the gym for one hour a day is great, but being great for the other 23 hours is what separates you, right? Exactly, and yeah. We and nutrition and hydration and what you're consuming in terms of uh not only like what you're consuming in terms of your body but also what you consume in terms of your you know social media content and books you read and the people you surround yourself with right yeah and um simple things too like daily movement i have clients who work in offices and they come to the gym twice a week with me and they want to destroy themselves in the gym for those two hours a week and then they sit all day long you know so sometimes i tell them you know it'll be more useful for you to take a 20 minute walk every day than these two hours you're destroying yourself here so we don't think about that that we don't think about what we do the rest of the day is what um we, I mean, I guess we, we have that mentality of um, all or nothing, but the truth is that that's only works for a little bit. That's never sustainable in, in training or in nutrition or anything in life. And you see it all the time, right? Especially in the martial arts community, it's the most unhealthy when it comes to nutrition, where it's like you have these fighters who cut 20 pounds in three days. Yes. And then then they go and binge and eat every single thing in sight and then they feel sick. And it's just that vicious cycle where if you tell yourself, you know what, I can have a slice of pizza every day if I want to. And I can assure you, if you have one slice of pizza or even three slices of pizza every day, 
you're not gonna binge anymore. And yeah. then one day you're like, oh, I don't need to have pizza today because I had it yesterday and I can have it tomorrow. And then you slowly like that start to create something that is more sustainable because you're not going into any extremes in any in any way. Um, uh, and in terms of training, I do believe that everybody should at one point in their lives put themselves through the hard work of training to compete in something because it does teach you a very valuable lesson on discipline and prioritizing your life and things like that. But just know that it's not sustainable. There is a reason why there is no 50-year-old professional athletes. Yes. Um, it's just not, it's not good for the body to train at that level all the time. But it is important, I think, to put yourself through that kind of regimen at least once in your life to, you know, learn. Yes. Yes. Now, I'm curious with you. I mean, being in the quote unquote trainer space, as we just talked about there, um, do you find that that there's almost a pressure on you to have a certain body image or a certain personal appearance? Um, yes. Um, in my case, I feel uh, very fortunate that the circles I'm, I'm in are not so much like that. Um, just because I've been around for so long, I'll be able to distance myself from certain uh, communities that are very based on that. But one interesting thing that I've noticed recently in the past, I would say maybe five years, is that um, and now you're uh, highly um, judged in your uh, in terms of your Instagram. So I, in the past, when someone contacted me to teach a class, they will call me over the phone and they would have me come in and teach them 10 minutes, teach the studio manager for 10 minutes, see, but talk to me for a moment. Or if I was going to get hired at a gym, you know, there was a, I had to bring my resume with me and I had to answer questions related to biomechanics, anatomy, how to do this exercise, that kind of stuff. Now I get DMs from legit gems just saying hey can you teach a class today or you know they see me do a skill on instagram and be like can you come teach a workshop about this skill and again i get it i have a reputation um but i'm not the only one this is happening to mm. where i'm thinking really you you have no idea if i even have one certification <laughs> <laughs> like there has been no question of you're just assuming that I I know how to teach and I know what I'm doing based on one 10 second clip on Instagram <laughs> which that's something that I I didn't experience before um when trying to to work somewhere um so I think it'll probably go back to what it was before like everything you know um, there is cycles to everything and now we're all about the visual and who has the the better clips and the better cameras and the better outfits and the better bodies and we're also not talking about how many people um, that are very famous on Instagram actually don't live the super healthy lifestyles they promote you know Yes. there are these people who would um not eat dairy but then go to a rave and do cocaine for three days <laughs> and, um, you know and those are stories that i know for a fact it's not just like funny stories you know but they have these major followers and there's a lot of people who were born uh with huge butt muscles and then they're selling you a program to get the butt that they have and the reality is that that's not your body your butt is not going to look like that girl's because you're not her. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, and the, also another thing that has changed, though, that actually that's a good thing, is now it is more way more accepted for women to uh, have muscles. Yes. Which that wasn't the case before. Um, I remember getting clients back in the day at the YMCA and if there were women they just look at me and kind of 
point and be like, I don't want to get too bulky. And it was just, <laughs> it was kind of funny to me because I wasn't, I didn't think I was, I don't think I'm a super crazy looking bodybuilder girl. Um, and I also would think, you know what? I train six days a week and I'm still not bulky. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, it's not that easy. I've been trying to get bulky for 10 years, so don't worry. <laughs> you're not going to get <laughs> So you're, you're safe. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned you train six days a week. Are you somebody who believes in having a set off day, or what do you do with off days? What's your opinion on that? Um, well, right now, because I don't compete anymore, I... I have the ability to modify and shift based on how my body's feeling. So some weeks, um, the, the weeks that I train almost every day, it's actually the weeks that the intensity of my training cannot be as high because I don't have as much time in the gym. Mm. So I'm not overloading my joints and, and destroying my muscles as much as I would do if I had an hour and a half at the gym or a full hour, and then the next day I can take it off or switch the type of training. So sometimes when people think all oh, six days a week in the gym or seven days or five days or whatever sounds like a lot, it can be a lot if you don't know what you're doing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're destroying yourself every single session and leaving the gym like you can barely walk, yeah, five, six days a week is too much. But if I do six days a week where the first day I'm, I'm doing no more than four exercises for one specific area or for one specific uh, theme, and then the next day is another two to four exercises for another area, and then the third day it's a more, uh, let's say, uh, sprinting, uh, running, or something more cardio-based, then it's totally okay. Um, so I think the magic of a good uh, trainer is someone who understands biomechanics, anatomy, and programming well. I always tell people, anybody can give you a workout. Anybody can pick exercises that are going to make you sweat, that are going to make you sore. Um, getting sweaty and sore is not a sign of a good program is basically how the exercises are paired together to produce the goals that you have. And that's why defining your goals clearly is the most important part of developing your program. And when I say define clearly, the, the, the example that I hear all the time is I wanna, I wanna get stronger. What does that mean? <laughs> Yeah. What do you exactly mean by that? Yeah. Do you mean again twice twice your body weight back squat, ten strict pull-ups, twenty push-ups? Um, you know, how much time are you willing to dedicate to this goal? Because based on where you're starting from, it may take longer than you think. Do you have the patience to do the exact same movement or very similar movement for years and years until you achieve the goal? Um, so I, that's also my, my job as a, as a trainer when I do a consult is helping people define in those goals and become very clear because then if we have defined and clear goals, we have a way of measuring our progress. Yes. When you tell me I want to get stronger, well, I can be at, in two weeks, I can be like, oh, you're stronger. Look at you. <laughs> like, how do you know that? Yes. How do you know that if every week you're doing something random? Every day you're like, oh, I want to do this for my legs. And then the next day, the next week you're like, I'm only going to do my arms. It's just there's no way of measuring that progress. And um, and it goes back to that's why I like for people to choose at least one skill. And that doesn't mean our training is not going to involve anything else. But if you choose one thing you're working on, at least we have something we're measuring and progressing on. Um, for you to be excited about. Mm. Now, do you think the you know off day or active recovery day or whatever the the day that's less on training is going to change um, based on somebody's age and how they get older, or would it change more based on their experience? 
I think it, it changes based on their experience. And by experience, we have to say is experienced in the gym, right? Um, because a lot, like, for example, for myself, I know very, very well when to listen to my body and when not to listen to my body. Yes. Because we all have those days where you're like, oh, I really don't want to go. And I'm a little bit sore and I'm a little bit tired and I don't want to go to the gym. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to listen to my body. A lot of the times you have to ignore your body for those ones, because those ones are the ones that build the discipline to go when you don't feel like going. But then there's the other days where you should listen and, and go for a walk instead or go do mobility instead. And you only become good at identifying those um, days for you when you have been training consistently long enough that you have put yourself into those extremes. Um, like that's why training for competition is really good, right? Because you have to push when you don't want to and your body's broken and you still have to push for it. That's how you start to learn. Oh, now I got injured. Probably should have rested yesterday (laughs) coaches understand that too right i I think there's a lot of coaches um maybe they're newer or maybe they don't they have a different mentality maybe like an old school mentality it really depends where it's it's go 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 but you also have to realize that you need to listen to what the athlete says um yeah they say you know i'm not feeling you know sluggish today or whatever some of it might be yeah i don't want to get my butt to the gym and i'm here but the other part of it might be is that, you know, we should take it easy and rest today. Yeah, exactly. And because there's also, um, when you're a competitive athlete, there's also mental burnout, right? Oh, yeah. And Which it absolutely affects your performance. So maybe when you're experiencing something like that, where you really don't want to go and you're feeling down and all these things, maybe if you are working on the mental aspect of training, Maybe you still show up to the gym, but you do mobility for an hour and you go home. So you still build that resilience of showing up when you don't want to, but you're not destroying your your body because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you become, you have to become really good at identifying those things. When you are not competing, um, and if you have been a competitive athlete before, it's very hard. Um, it's very hard because you feel like you should be working hard all the time. Yes. Um, and that, when you have that in you, of course, is what makes you successful at many things in life. But it's it's something that you we need to learn as we as we age. Like I want to be able to do a lot of things when I'm older. I want to be able to climb. Um, you know, I want to be able to swim. I want to be able to play around and, you know, go sprint and stuff like that up until I'm really old. And the only way we can do that is by not destroying ourselves every single time we go to the gym. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a very, and that's where the, the relationship between um, client and, and student um, and trainer or student and teacher becomes really important because that's how the, the, the trainer starts to learn about, about you, right? I tell usually new clients when we go through a workout we've never done before and I'm showing them something new, I always give them um, um, parameters where I tell them, okay, was this a seven out of 10 or more of a, like a nine out of 10 in yeah. terms of how it felt? And then we go from there and then we finish the workout and I tell them, okay, by the time I see you again, I want you to make sure you do not take a freaking Advil because soreness is a way of teaching you about your recovery. Mm. So if the moment you feel sore, you take something to mask it, you don't know if it took you two days to recover or four days or five days. And that's an information I need when we're new. If we, if we did a workout that took you four days to recover from, it was too much. Yes. You have to scale it down for next time. We know, you know, 
maybe less reps or less sets or stuff like that. And mm. that's how you start to learn about your own body, not what some dude on the internet said that you should do, which <laughs> is, yeah, of course, we all need this information. But then what we forget is that we have to take that information that we get with a grain of salt and learn what applies to us and what doesn't. And sometimes we, I think that now we're suffering from over, over information. If I don't know if that's even a word. But we have so much of it that people are so overwhelmed that I get messages from clients or, for example, from nutrition clients a lot. What do you think of this supplement? What do you think of this other thing? Should I eat this carb or should I? Is rice okay? Is potato okay? And it's just like, just eat the food <laughs> that makes you happy. Eat protein, carbs, fats, every meal. Go to sleep. <laughs> Once you have that down, if you're sleeping consistently for months and months and months, you're and you're eating normal foods, yes, once in a while, you're maybe you have that slice of pizza every day. That's okay. I have this rule where I eat dessert every day. I don't eat it if I haven't had a proper meal. Mm -hmm. So if I'm craving ice cream or a muffin or whatever it is, I will eat it. But first, I have to eat some eggs with some avocado or whatever, chicken and rice and whatever, then I go and I have my ice cream after. Mm. But if I haven't had a proper meal, I'm not going to have a muffin for breakfast. If I have a muffin in the morning, I already had a protein shake with some frozen fruits in it, you know, and then I'll go and have the muffin. So mm. you, if you don't have those basics down, the cold plunge is not going to solve your problems. The the supplements are not going to solve your problems. It's just masking. Yes. It's kind of like a little bit of a band-aid so you can kind of survive for a little bit longer, but it's going to come out at some point somewhere. Um, so that's kind of like my, uh, my approach now. Um, and I think the advantage I have when I work with professional athletes is that I have been through it and I do understand when sometimes you have to just freaking push through it yes and but as long as we're aware that this is not a healthy way and which means we're not gonna do it forever then it's then it's okay you know yeah um then we, it it's all comes with awareness of what the consequences of our decisions are gonna be and then we work at making those consequences the least um awful for you possible if you have to, you know, for example, water load, which is like, I wish nobody had to ever do it. <laughs> um, but if you ever have to, um, I'm going to do my best to work together in a way in which you don't have to. But if we ever have to, let's make it in a way where as soon as it's done, you know, you get your electrolytes and you have this and like it slowly gets you back into it and stuff like that. But that's why I think for me is so important to learn as much as I can about everything and more le than learning about trends is learning about science. Mm. If you learn nutritional science, you don't learn a diet. Yes. You, you learn what a carbohydrate does in the body, how it's absorbed, what it does, how it works what it's um, doing to your muscles, to your brain, learn about that. And then it doesn't matter later if, you know, some people need to eat way more carbs than others. That's fine. But we know what carbs do and what they're for versus don't eat this or don't eat that because then nobody has useful information. It's just a bunch of don't do this <laughs> or this is better or this other system is better. And it's just like, Everything works and also everything doesn't work <laughs> because it's person dependent. Now, I'm curious for you and for your athletes, do you either use or recommend either using any apps or tools? So that might be maybe a whoop strap or uh, Apple Watch or maybe it's uh, uh, MyFitnessPal. Um, yes, again, uh, client dependent. So I have to know them and know what their personalities are like. Um, some people thrive with a lot of structure. 
some people get extremely overwhelmed by it. Mm. So when it comes to nutrition, for example, I do ask people to, in the beginning, to track, weigh, and measure everything they eat for an entire week because that will bring awareness to the portions that you're eating like nothing else will do. Mm. And then based on how they felt with that approach, we decide, is this a person who's going to thrive with the structure of having to track, measure, weigh everything for a while? Or is this a person who's going to be extremely overwhelmed, stressed to the point where they're going to drop the towel and then not do anything? Um, so based on their feedback from that week, we decide, okay, they're not going to do okay tracking everything. Let's learn how to portion control by using our hands as a measurement. So a palm, a palm of uh, meat is about 20 to 30 grams of protein. So then I can take, tell the client, you know, based on your goals and your age and weight and everything we want to do, you're going to have five palms a day mm. of protein. That's more doable for some people. Beautiful. Some people want to know. Some people want to know the stats. The whoop straps, for example. I had a client with a lot of uh, issues with sleep. Yeah. And she was so obsessed with reading what the sleep was <laughs> that that was causing her to nod, to wake up and look at it and be like, oh, my God, I only had an hour of REM sleep. And, oh, my God. And then she started putting other tracking devices on the bed. And it just became a thing with this obsession of, like, I'm going to do the sleep routine at this time and hopefully and then waking up and being obsessed about what the reading was. And I was like, actually, to be able to rest and sleep, you need to have your stress pretty low. Yeah. And you're stressing <laughs> <laughs> about uh, an activity that's supposed to be to relieve your stress. Mm -hmm. So for a month, we're going to remove that strap. And um, you're going to learn how to feel. Yes. Am I tired? Do I feel sleepy? Okay. I'm going to go to bed. Mm. I'm not tired. I don't feel sleepy. I stay awake. And if that means you only got three hours of sleep, that's okay. You wanted to only sleep three hours this week. Your body was not sleepy until 3 a.m. Watch a movie, read a book, you know, clean your bathroom until you get sleepy. Yeah. And that's it. And so that's how I um, approach the the devices. I love that so much. Now I could probably talk to you for another six hours. <laughs> probably wrap it up here at some point. So uh, before I ask you my closing questions, do you have any quick questions for me? Oh yeah. Um, how did you decide to start this podcast? Uh, it's a common one. Um, so I'll, <laughs> I'll sum it up quickly here because I've said it many times. So okay. basically there was a, a few different factors that went into it. One of the main factors was that I wanted to get better at communicating. And more, you know, specifically, I want to get better at communicating with people who I don't know and who I've never met, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's not how the first couple guests started, but that's how I knew the direction of the podcast was going to go. So the best way to do that was to obviously talk to people in person. But I started the podcast during COVID. And this is kind of where the second part of it happens, where um, I saw a lot of my friends and a business that I was a part of all failing and due to some of the shutdowns and lockdowns that happened. I see. I wanted to find a way that I could promote them. And this is always... Why? So I talked about this. My favorite book is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And this has always been my why. And I think for the duration of the podcast, it has to be my why or else the, the why will fail. And I, I hope to put a spotlight on local businesses, performers, entertainers, and people that necessarily wouldn't have the same type of eyeballs and ears on them. And this is just one thing to do. I mean, I'm passionate about Ontario has to offer. I think they have some of the best talent uh, in terms of not only athletes, but performers, entertainers, knowledgeable people, influential people, right? People that have so much knowledge. I mean, even just this conversation I've had with you, 
I've I've gained and I've learned a lot of things, and I'm somebody who I would typically say is fairly knowledgeable in the quote unquote fitness field, fitness and health field, right? So for somebody who who doesn't have the same knowledge, um, they would gain so so much, right? And I think Ontario is just filled with people like this that don't have a opportunity to really talk about what they know, what they're passionate about, and what they love. So this was kind of that idea to kind of give them and everybody, you know, uh, who comes on the podcast, whether you're a business owner, an athlete, a performer, an influential person, or just, you know, generally a person who has an inspiring story, um, a spotlight to shine. Nice. Love it. <laughs> Anything else? Um, yeah, just one more. What yeah. do you do for physical activity? Oh, so uh, my main form of physical activity is martial arts. So I, I do plenty of boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, um, MMA. I've had many different competitions throughout all of those. And then I, I started off at a very young age in my life playing different sports. So hockey, lacrosse, basketball, baseball. And then I got into running. I was a very slender and slim individual in high school. And I, I excelled in running. And I learned that I disliked running. So, although, <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, although I was good at it, I didn't enjoy it. And so, I kind of found a um, an outlet that I would be able to kind of transfer my passion uh, through. And I actually got tricked through. I told this story before. I'll, I'll sum it up quickly here. Where I got tricked through a, a good buddy of mine who told me that we were going to run a race with a couple of his soccer buddies for a 10K. And okay. uh, I go and we walk through these really grungy stairs that you probably couldn't see the next stair and you're hoping it's just there. And go outside and we run the 10K. And that was uh, the start of my martial arts journey where I ended up doing another hour of conditioning um, with pads and then another hour of sparring after that and that. That was the first day I got tricked in through, at the time, one of my best friends to a, a three-hour, <laughs> what turned out to be a three-hour fight team Muay Thai session. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of my, my beginning, and I've just continued it ever since. So. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I still lift weights, right? I went, uh, when I was younger, I got my personal training certificate through CanFit Pro. And I'm, I'm trying to always gain more knowledge about different aspects of fitness. But my main, my main, I guess, eyesight and focus is, is on martial arts and um, general health and wellness, right? Just being able to move my body more efficiently every day. Nice. Yeah. Now, I do have three questions for you, though, to close up this podcast. Okay. The first one, what three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Um, discipline, open minds, and empathy. Beautiful. I love those. If you could go back in time to whatever time you choose, what is something that you would tell your younger self? Um, that everything you think is a big deal, it's usually not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Basically, don't stress as much and for <laughs> unnecessary reasons. <laughs> and my last and final one here, what is something you do every day that you are proud of? Uh, meditate. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Since I was six years old. You meditate. You've meditated every day since you're six. Yeah. Wow. So I, it's one of my dad's um, gifts, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. And now is your time to plug any type of social media, and where can people find you? Uh, well, right now, as I mentioned earlier, my website and the whole business is uh, revamping. So the easiest way would be on Instagram um, at it's Paluna, I-T-S, P-S Peter, A-L-U-N-A. 
Perfect. That's mm-hmm. Well, thank you for coming on. I think that was uh, one of the longest episodes. I'll probably separate into two. And, and it, was, uh, it was an incredible episode, one of my favorites. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You have a great day. Bye. You too. Thanks for listening, guys. I really, really do appreciate you taking your time and listening to this podcast. Once again, just a quick reminder, please do like and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And like the Facebook page and also like the Instagram page as well. And don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the TikTok as well. Thanks again, guys.